Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, December 15th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Babylon Spaces. Security of liquid staking in and beyond Cosmos. Let's take a listen. All right. So welcome to Babylon's uh, Thought to the Space. So we've been doing these to the space for a few times now, inviting various projects to discuss with us the various issues of interest to Cosmos and beyond, uh, particularly focus on security-related issues. So today we have um, great pleasure to have uh, Arden from uh, Stride, Liquid Sticking Protocol on Cosmos, and Brinjar from Composable to join us in this uh, discussion, focusing on various aspects of liquid sticking, security issues, uh, relationship with unbonding, going beyond the Cosmos ecosystem. So we're going to go through these various topics. Uh, we'll leave some time at the end for questions from the audience. Um, so I thought um, we would uh, start for each speaker to introduce a little bit about themselves and the project, maybe one minute each speaker. Uh, Arden, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, right. Hey, so I'm, I'm Aiden. I'm a co-founder of Stride. We're a liquid staking protocol in Cosmos. Um, so a, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm an engineer by trade. Um, I worked as a software engineer for the past few years. Um, got really excited about DeFi and Cosmos over the past few years as well. Um, and I think liquid staking is one of the most powerful primitives to scale DeFi, um, specifically scaling DeFi economically. Um, so we can get into a little bit later about what what liquid staking specifically is and how it helps to scale DeFi. Um, but uh, back in April, uh, myself and my co-founders were looking at the Cosmos ecosystem. And one problem we noticed was that it's really hard to do DeFi when the competing staking yields are so high. So for example, if a chain has 20, 30, 40% inflation, um, it's really hard for a DEX or a lending market to compete with that yield. Uh, because usually users will choose the higher yield, which is staking. Um, so DeFi TVL has sort of stayed low. So we started building Stride back in May to, to solve this problem. Uh, we launched in September, um, and Stride can service any protocol that is connected to IBC, um, specifically IBC v3. So we require interchain accounts and interchain queries, but sort of a technical detail. Um, today, we provide liquid staking for Atom, Osmosis, uh, Juno and Sargus, and there are many more coming. Um, ideally, we'd like to support every chain in the Cosmos ecosystem, um, but we're uh, we're kind of wrapping up. So that's where we're at today, uh, and a little bit about myself and Stride. Thanks, Aiden. Uh, Brainjar, do you want to talk a bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So I'm Brainjar. Um, my background's in uh, just like mechanism design and basically have been a user of DeFi since the first DeFi applications way, way back in the day. Um, so I've seen a lot of different uh, rise and fall of different chains and um, was really interested in how can we actually take crypto and digital asset um, accessibility to the next level. And for me, IBC is a very big part of that story um, because I've just seen so many poorly designed bridges that call themselves uh, trustless when actually there are centralized relayers maintained by Sequoia. Uh, so I very much so decided to build an entire um, effort to introduce um, cross-chain 
primitives across the board um, by way of IBC. And the hope is this then can push the broader focus of you know, Web3 and DeFi specifically to build like really, really simple, stupidly simple applications on top that do propagate this theme of any money, any chain, anywhere. Like the future we're hoping for is someone can take out a loan, not really know which chain is happening on. They understand that they have a loan. They understand it's trustless, decentralized, and non-custodial. Um, so we're hoping to build this vision by bringing IBC to other ecosystems, starting with Polkadot, then Near, and then eventually ETH2, and also building a infrastructure um, orchestration layer called XCVM, which uh, will allow different chains that we're connected to to do things like, you know, print ST Atom directly onto another chain, as an example, or uh, you know, open up perps positions in 10 different locations, et cetera. So really excited to see how the space evolves over time based on, you know, the work we're doing in the space. Hey, thanks, uh, Brinjo, for the introduction. So let me say a few words about myself and the Babylon project. So I am a professor at Stanford, and um, I run a research lab here for the past few years, focusing on consensus protocol design. Uh, we have collaborations with various uh, chains. Uh, for example, we had a collaboration with Ethereum on improving their ETH uh, POS Ethereum protocol. Um, so since the beginning of this year, we started working on a project called Babylon. And the goal of Babylon is to bring Bitcoin security to improve uh, various security limitations of proof of stake chains. So the thesis is that we have moved, the industry have moved from proof of work to proof of stake in the past decade. Um, however, there are certain advantages in proof of work that is not present in proof of stake. And the goal here is to use the most secure proof of work chain, Bitcoin, to transfer some of that security uh, onto proof of stake chains. And uh, so that's the thesis of the project. So we're, we're bidding towards the test net. We have started integration with uh, various Cosmos chains. So our focus is the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, we are starting the integration with um, Osmosis, with uh, Composable, with um, Akash, with Juno, with uh, Injective and a few more other chains. So uh, that's where we are on the project. And in general, we're quite interested in security issues in Cosmos. And uh, so that brings us to this discussion. Cool. So uh, the focus of this hour is on liquid staking and various security issues around liquid staking and so forth. So perhaps just to get everybody or the audience on the same page. So let's first maybe have some basics on liquid staking. Um, so Aiden, do you want to give a short primer on liquid staking so that everyone is on the same page? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy, happy to do that. Um, and then maybe maybe after this, uh, I'd also love to hear more about uh, the unbonding period from from your team. I'll, I'll give my explanation of it. But you guys think about this more. So you probably yeah, perfect, perfect. Wrong. Yes, perfect. Um, so uh, at a high level, the problem that liquid staking solves is that stake positions are not liquid or transferable. Um, and that means that lots of tokens in proof of stake networks are locked up. So typically the staking rate is between one third and two third. I think on Ethereum, it's closer to one third. On most Cosmos chains, it's a little bit closer to two thirds, uh, but somewhere in that ballpark. And that means they can't easily be used in DeFi. Um, there are certain sort of uh, like more complicated ways that you might be able to um, use stake tokens in DeFi without liquid staking, but I, I haven't seen any of them used in production to date. Um, so if you believe in a big flourishing DeFi ecosystem, you probably want liquid staking. Um, and the, the reason for that is if you think about it from a user's perspective, users typically have a trade-off that they have to make 
Um, so let's say I hold 10 Atom tokens. I could either stake those 10 Atom tokens and earn a 20% yield on the Cosmos Hub, um, or I could take those unstaked Atom tokens and use them in DeFi. So maybe I go to Osmosis and put them in a liquidity pool in the Atom Osmo pair. Uh, and the yield in that pool might be 20%. So it, it might make up for the staking yields. Uh, but it might not be. And in many cases, um, it increases the cost to participate in DeFi if the DeFi protocol has to compete with uh, very high native staking yields. Um, so the, the basic idea behind liquid staking is uh, there's no reason that this trade trade-off should have to exist. Um, so as a user, you would deposit one Atom token to the liquid staking protocol um, and get a liquid staking derivative in return. Um, so call it ST Atom. Um, now, the ST Atom token, it represents one staked Atom. So it's, it's sort of like a ticket or a claim on that staked Atom. Um, and what's nice about this token is, one, it's transferable. So the, uh, previously, when you staked your Atom, you, you couldn't transfer it around or use it in DeFi. ST Atom, you can use in DeFi and you can transfer it around. Um, so it's, it's much more composable. It plugs into lots of different uh, existing DeFi protocols. Uh, you just treat it as a normal token. Uh, but what's nice about it is because it's a claim on an underlying staked atom, it's also earning yield. Um, so now if you go back to the same pool, uh, let's say you have an atom Osmo pool and you have an ST atom Osmo pool. Um, if you LP in the ST atom Osmo pool, you'll earn the swap fees from the pool um, as well as possibly some incentives. But then on top of that, you also earn the, uh, the staking yield for the atom that are in the pool. Um, so from a DeFi user perspective, this is this is pretty attractive. Um, so that's at a, at a very high level how liquid staking works. Now, I'll just briefly touch on how this has been done in different ecosystems. Um, so in most ecosystems, liquid staking is orchestrated through smart contracts. If we're thinking about decentralized liquid staking, um, there are also centralized counterparts, but those aren't super interesting. So I won't get into those too much. Um, but if you think about decentralized liquid staking, typically the way that it's been done so far is using smart contracts. Um, so on Ethereum, for example, the biggest liquid staking provider is Lido, and they use um, smart contracts. Um, smart contracts don't integrate uh, super well into the Cosmos ecosystem. For example, the Cosmos Hub doesn't support smart contracts at all. Um, however, IBC is fully integrated into the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, so Stride's approach is all of the liquid staking logic runs on the Stride blockchain. We don't deploy smart contracts to other chains. It all runs on Stride. And we provide liquid staking to other chains through IBC. Um, so to do this, we use technology called interchain accounts and interchain queries. And the idea is the Stride protocol or the Stride chain, it can own uh, staked tokens on other chains. So when a user deposits their Atom to Stride and gets their STM Atom in return, um, on the back end, Stride will take their Atom and it will IBC transfer it over to the Cosmos Hub. And then it will use an interchain account to stake those tokens. And this interchain account is owned by the Stride protocol. Um, so you don't need a smart contract. All of the logic lives on Stride. Uh, and this has the nice property that it's very scalable. Meaning um, for Stride to support a new chain, all we have to do is open up an IBC connection with that chain. Um, and you get all of the benefits of IBC. Um, and you also inherit the, the same security properties of the Stride code base. Um, so, you know, we've like done lots of audits and we're constantly developing it. Um, it might not be the case if you have fragmented smart contracts across multiple ecosystems. So this is sort of uh, how Cosmos liquid staking differs from, uh, from other ecosystems. But yeah, that's, that's a high level of, uh, of, of how it works. Um, happy to talk about anything else too, if, uh, if there's anything you're curious about. All right, and thanks a lot really clear. I have a basic, very basic question, like a dumb question. So I'm trying to sort of find an analogy of liquid staking to like non-crypto, like daily life. Like for example, right? Suppose, can I think of like staking on a protocol is like, okay, I rent, I'm renting a house and I need to pay a deposit, a collateral, right? In case I trash the house, then the, the landlord can take my deposit. So is liquid staking saying that I could actually give a deposit to the landlord and at the same time use that money to do something else? That seems a little bit counterintuitive. Is that the right analogy or completely wrong analogy? 
Yeah, so this is this this is actually a really interesting analogy because it, it touches on uh, one of the criticisms of liquid staking, which is the principal agent problem. The idea is when you separate uh, block production um, from slashing, you might get into some security risks. And the idea in your analogy is uh, if uh, you provide this deposit, but also you don't provide the deposit, like why aren't you going to trash the house? Um, so I think that this is maybe a little bit more nuanced and maybe we can get into this as we talk about more of the risks of liquid staking. Mm. Uh, but just just focusing on uh, your initial question, which was, is there a plain English um, analogy of liquid staking? A couple that we've tried is uh, one is liquid staking is sort of like um, uh, you have the flexibility of a checkings account with the yield of a savings account. That's one analogy we've used. Another is uh, it's a little bit like a coat check. Um, so in the old world, uh, before liquid staking, one way you can imagine this working is if you deposit your coat at a coat check and someone writes your name down next to your coat, if you're walking around the party, um, you can't like give your ticket to anyone else because there is no ticket. To get your coat back, you have to go back to the coat check and show your ID, and then the attendant will give you your coat. Uh, liquid staking just introduces like a ticketing system. So the idea mm. is you get a ticket at the coat check, and your ticket has a number on it. It corresponds to the coat. You can walk around the party, and if for some reason in this weird party you want to sell your coat uh, or use your <laughs> ticket as collateral, then then you can do that. And this is not possible in the, the previous uh, paradigm. So those are some analogies we've used. The landlord deposit one is a little bit trickier for me. I'd have to think about that one more, um, but also a good one. Yeah, because I always kind of think of when I try to explain to my parents, you know, what kind of research and what kind of development I'm doing, I... You know, trying to explain proof of stake and why the staking sort of works. And the best analogy I came up with is like, you know, you pay a deposit when you rent a place. And in case that to make sure that you behave well, if you don't behave well, you get slashed. Yeah. So that, seems, that seems to be like a very natural analogy to at least understand proof of stake. Um, so I'm just wondering sort of, you know, I, there, there's a lurking feeling, I guess, that liquid sticking is just too good to be true. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to elicit that sort of a bit more sort of provocative uh, question. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a trade off, um, and I'm I'm happy to talk about maybe some of the benefits and potential right. risks now, if if you want to get into that, mm -hmm. uh, or happy to hold off. Up to you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to initiate the discussion here. So, Brainjar, do you have any thoughts on this issue, or should we move to the security issues? Yeah, <clears throat> my, my belief is this, right? Like, I think overall, liquid staking is um, like a, just like it's a primitive that has existed in basically since Lido came came to be, and I think everyone. You know, you see STEs getting used in a whole bunch of different yields protocols like uh, element finance and like use as collateral on, on different locations as well. I think Aave now supports STEs as a collateral type. Um, so I think this is, it is hard to actually see what the implications of liquid staking are longer term from a security perspective my belief is like um so long as and of course this is also why the three of us are talking about this because you know so long if, as there are things in place that allow for say fast unbonding um quick quicker redemptions etc like i do think that protections are good overall but i do think that like this is a primitive that will just dominate DeFi going forward. And I don't think there's anything that anybody can do um, to discourage uh, to discourage it because it just makes so much sense, right? Like stake something, get a liquid uh, asset associated with something that's staked and then go, you know, provide liquidity, ST, Adam, Adam into a liquidity pool. Like ultimately that is just too sweet of a DeFi primitive. Um, for like the average person to not want to participate in. I also think too, in many ways, liquid staking is a potential massive route for retail adoption too, because maybe they don't 
maybe retail doesn't want to LP and take out a loan and like liquidity provide anywhere. Maybe they just want to get staked yields, um, but want to then do something with with these staked assets. Like I do think the first retail entry point for people doing things in DeFi, like from an app, like say Robinhood, is probably going to be staking. And so I think liquid staking is the next step to to usher these people into DeFi in and of itself. So so my I'm a huge supporter of liquid staking. I think is a very necess- necessary primitive everywhere. And I think the cross-pollination of liquid staking to other ecosystems um, is like a big goal for, for us in, in Q1, personally. Great. All right, so um, maybe we can shift the discussion a little bit to the um, various potential security issues associated with Liquid staking, I think Aiden, you were referring to uh, some comments from the community about potential security problems with liquid staking. And I guess you have some thoughts on that. Do you want to sort of get us up to speed on that discussion? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to. Um, and I, I think there are, uh, there are uh, although it's uh, not often talked about, I think there are also possible security benefits. Um, so I'll cover both. Oh, yeah, first. security benefits and issues, yes, in general, positive and negative, yeah. Yeah, so on the on the benefit side, the most obvious one is that liquid staking increases the stake rate. Um, yes. So today, if you have, uh, say, two-thirds of tokens staked, the additional one-third, the only reason that they wouldn't be staked is because uh, users are demanding liquidity um, or transferability on those tokens. Otherwise, why wouldn't they stake? Because the the yield is higher. They're being inflated away by not staking. Um, but with liquid staking, you don't have to make this trade-off. So if you have uh, a proliferation of liquid staking protocols, you'd probably expect the stake rate to approach 100% because there's no more trade-off. Uh, it's maybe a little bit more nuanced, like the liquid staking protocol might take some fees and therefore you might want to stake on your own or maybe you really care about which validator you stake to, a delegated proof of stake. Um, but it, at a uh, sort of a simplified model of it would suggest that uh, you'd approach a 100% stake rate. Um, mm-hmm. And as the stake rate goes up, it becomes harder to do certain attacks on the chain. So for example, to do a two-thirds attack, um, I, I was actually looking at these numbers um, for Osmosis the, the other day, so I'll just go through these quickly. Yep. Um, so currently, Osmosis has a stake rate of 43%. Uh, market cap of 438 million. So two thirds of 43% is 28 uh, and a half. Um, and this is $124 million of Osmo. Uh, total Osmo liquidity right now is 77 million uh, on Osmosis. And maybe there's an additional 10, 20 on Binance. Uh, so it's, it's already quite hard to two thirds attack um, Osmo just by buying Osmo on the open market. Um, if you increase this to 70, uh, an attacker would need to acquire around 46% of Osmo or 200 million. And of course, it just goes up from there. Um, so economic, uh, uh, like a, a hedge fund or someone buying up two thirds of uh, stake and trying to attack the chain does become more challenging when you have liquid staking. Um, so I, I think there's some point at which liquid staking is strictly better uh, for economic security from a two thirds attack point of view. Although I'm, I'm not quite sure what that point is. Um, the, the other thing I'd bring up is with uh, liquid staking tokens, they're great collateral because um, you can hold the token, earn yields, and borrow against it. Um, so there's all kinds of things you can do with that. You can do leverage staking. You can um, borrow uh, dollars against it and spend them. Um, and this should generate additional demand for tokens as well and increase the market cap of the chains that support liquid staking. Um, so there are some benefits. Um, on the on the risk side, um, there's sort of four that I've heard about, so I'll, I'll go through them briefly and then I'll, I'll pause. Um, so the first is the principal agent problem, which is when you separate block production from slashing, um, some people think that this sort of breaks the proof of stake model. And the idea being, if a validator misbehaves and also holds a bunch of liquid stake tokens for their own validator, Um, they might be able to misbehave and then sell all of those tokens to avoid the slash. Um, So this is one flavor of the attack. 
another is leverage staking has some risks associated with it, like cascading liquidation and bondings. The idea is when you leverage stake, um, you can, in certain scenarios, end up in a position where lots of the underlying token is being unbonded by liquidators. Um, happy to go more into this mechanism as well. But this can, in a very short period of time, drastically decrease the stake rate. So it might drop by like 30% in a, in a day. Um, the, the third risk that I've heard about is outsourcing governance and validator set selection to another chain. So this is sort of specific to Cosmos um, because Stride, for example, is we have our own validator set. And when we provide liquid staking to other chains, our validator set uh, now determines um, the stake distribution of the Atom or Osmo or whatever the token is that Stride holds. Um, I think there are ways around this, like interchain security, V1 basically fully solves this, and mesh security probably solves this to some degree as well. Uh, and then there's the, the protocol risk. And the idea here is if Lido or another big liquid staking protocol were to get hacked, uh, like they own, you know, some massive uh, percentage of stake, I think like somewhere like 30, 40% of all stake teeth. Um, so if a hack were to occur, uh, there might be um, uh, sort of like a catastrophic event. Um, so these, these are some of the risks that, that I've uh, heard people talk about. Got it. Hey, so I have a, actually have a question about uh, slashing. So uh, when a stake token uh, is misbehaving validator, it will get slashed, right? As a penalty for an attack on the protocol, the base protocol. Yep. So how does slashing work to the stake, the ST token? Do, do you get slashed as well? Or what's the coupling there? Yeah, it's a good question. And it gets into how Stride or other liquid staking protocols do validator selection. Um, so on Stride, we have a process to do validator selection. But let's just assume that Stride validates to a set of some subset of the validators on a host chain. So let's take the Cosmos Hub, for example. Uh, this is not how Stride does it, but assume Stride delegates to the top 10 uh, validators uniformly. Yep. Um, if, if any one of those validators were to get slashed by uh, um, uh, like some number of tokens, that slash would be socialized across all uh, ST Atom holders. And the reason is, internal to the protocol, we calculate something called the redemption rate. And all the redemption rate is, is it looks at how many ST Atom are in existence and how many staked atom does Stride own? And it computes a, an exchange rate between those. Um, and because all ST atom are fungible, if you show up to the protocol and you redeem your ST atom for underlying atom, and a slash has occurred, we'll unbond uniformly from all 10 validators. And the validator that has been slashed will unbond slightly less tokens because they've been slashed. Um, so your, uh, the, the number of tokens you would get uh, would go down slightly. Um, but it, it is it is socialized. Um, so if you're a stake to one validator and there's a five percent slash, you lose five percent of your tokens staked. Um, but if you're staked to ten validators and there's a five percent slash, you only lose uh, like fifty bips uh, or 05 percent um, because uh, you're staked uniformly across these these ten validators. Does this socialization have any incentive issue? Because it seems that like, you know, a validator commits something and then everyone has to be penalized. Is that, is that where it is or? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's, uh, it definitely could. And this is why we're, we're very careful with the validators that we select. Um, because to your point, one validator could misbehave and punish everyone else. Um, it's not, uh, super clear that there's an incentive to do that. Um, I haven't really been able to come up with a scenario where a validator would, uh, would want to do that. Um, but yeah, it's, it is, uh, it definitely creates uh, tricky incentives and we have to be very careful about the validators that we do select on the set. Got it. Bridgejar, do you have any thoughts on these security issues that um, Aiden brought up? Yeah. I mean, so how does this look like, I guess, if you are leveraged staking and you get slashed? Can, you, can, can we maybe just like run through what that looks like for a second? 
Yeah. Uh, good question. So I haven't, I haven't thought about this one. So this is going to be thinking through it live. Um, so the way that leverage staking works is uh, if you hold, say, one SD atom, you can post that as collateral in a, in a lending market. Um, and you can borrow some number of atom against it. So let's say you post one SD atom as collateral, you borrow 0.9 atom against it, and then you liquid stake that 0.9 atom, and then you get 0.9 SD atom, you post that as collateral, you borrow like 0.1 atom, and you, you loop this um, a number of times. Um, the more you loop it, the more risky your position is because your collateralization ratio goes down because you're, you're borrowing more against the same base position. Um, so smaller price movements could cause your position to be liquidated. Um, and this is where you sort of get into the cascading liquidations. Um, so if you have like 1.5 ST atom based on this looped uh, leverage staking position, and your and a slash occurs, then you basically get liquidated all the way down of a portion, right? I think so. I think it depends on how the protocol handles liquidations. I think it would be interesting if two things had, uh, if there was like two things in this scenario. One, some sort of like, because ultimately people will leverage liquid stake. It's the ultimate Ponzi, right? So I think... Um, Oops. Sorry. Oops. <laughs> uh, so I do think that two things could be interesting in this case. Like one, um, whoever does offer this leverage liquid staking as a strategy, um, make sure that they are staking across, like evenly across all these validators. And the second is maybe like some sort of insurance module i've thought about like a long long time ago i was thinking about like is there a way for a liquid staking protocol to offer insurance and at the same time offer credit directly so it's like a full end-to-end -end situation where basically like as you're levering up as you're borrowing more from the protocol and thus staking more through the protocol you have you can only do so um, if you have insurance or something, or if you've prepaid in into this insurance pool. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, this is actually a really interesting idea. Like you, you provide like a little bit of extra collateral almost to protect against slashes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's an, that's an interesting one. The, the other, I think, uh, I'm not sure if this works. I'm actually curious to hear your take, but maybe another simple cut through could be if you limit the uh, borrow ratio mm. to be lower than the max slash. So like, let's say you can only borrow uh, like 80 cents on the dollar and the max slash is 5% uh, um, in Cosmos. The most your collateral could drop by is 5%. Um, and then as long as you look at like the... Uh, as long as that 5% drop doesn't liquidate you um, based on how much you borrowed, uh, then like this uh, liquidation cascade would never be kicked off. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely also one way to target it as well. What, ha have you guys spoken with any lending protocols just out of curiosity? Yeah. Like who's, who's interested in, yeah. Yeah, so there's actually one lending protocol uh, that recently went live. Let me see if I can. I'm blanking on the name, but Riley, uh, one of one of my co-founders, he actually went and leveraged Liquid Staked. Um, so it actually has. It's already been done. Uh, it took him like 20 minutes. He said that the UX um, was a little bit complicated to go through all the steps. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find it and mention it later. The, the main one that we've talked to is Mars. And the reason is most of our uh, LSD liquidity, like Satom, Osmo, et cetera, is on osmosis. Um, and I think ideally you want the lending protocol and the liquidity pools to be uh, on the same chain so that yeah. you can have uh, synchronous 
liquidations. Um, it just makes everything more efficient. Um, so Mars is, I think, going to be the biggest lending protocol on, on Osmosis. And we've talked to them a few times. They have quite a rigorous risk framework. We haven't spoken about leverage staking specifically. Um, but I know one, one thing they're going to do is, uh, well, actually, two, two things that make them a little bit unique. Um, one is for their Oracle pricing and liquidations, they're going to require um, the uh, um, standard um, like Uni V2 style pools. So they won't allow stable swaps. Um, and the reason is stable swaps are easier to manipulate. I, I don't. I think stable swaps are used on Ethereum for uh, liquidations and oracles. So I think this is like e even more conservative than Ethereum DeFi. Um, and on the leverage taking front, I know they've mentioned that uh, like the, the current um, borrow ratios on Ethereum and Aave, for example, that allow leverage taking are, are probably too high. Um, so I think they would be more conservative on Osmosis and Mars, but uh, we haven't actually talked about like specific uh, numbers or thresholds yet. Yeah, got cool. it. Cool. So, shall we shift the topic a little bit to something that actually got all three of us together, which is this unbonding issue? Um, yeah, so maybe let me start that discussion. So, one of the use case of Babylon so is to reduce the unbonding time of Cosmos uh, in general proof of stake chains. Uh, so the unbonding time refers to the time that when a uh, staker or validator wants to unbond from the system, it has to wait a certain amount of time before it can actually unbond. So the typical uh, time of unbonding is 14 days to 28 days, uh, depending on the Cosmos chain. So it's a pretty long time, considering that in crypto, many things can happen in you know just a matter of a few days, as we just witnessed uh, in the past few weeks. So the Babylon technology allows this unbonding time to be reduced to less than one day. and in a secure way. So the unbonding is a basically a security. Then more delay is due to a security issue with proof of stake chain. And uh, Babylon solves that un security issues using Bitcoin. I don't think I'll go to details of how that works, but the issue that we have been discussing is, okay, if we reduce this unbonding time to less than one day, how would that interact or uh, benefit liquid sticking protocols. So that's one issue that's brought all three of us together in an earlier discussion. So maybe that's a good topic to talk a bit about. So I didn't bring you. Anyone wants to sort of uh, Yeah, my take is, this? Yeah, for sure. I think my take is like this occurred to me when we were chatting because Obviously, our interest is we want to uh, allow for, you know, things like ST Atom to just be printed on places like Polkadot, Kusama, um, Ethereum, uh, Near, etc. Sort of just all from, you know, one location. Basically, you go to Stride, you deposit Atom, you choose where you want this ST Atom to show up. Right. And then obviously there's a whole bunch of DeFi things you can do um, across all these different ecosystems. Then I was thinking um, this does result in a exponential counterparty risk problem, which we already talked about some of those risks. Um, but as I was talking to David, I realized like if there is fast unbonding, then in theory, this risk is reduced. Um, and it was just like a hypothesis that I've had, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Aiden. Yeah, I, so I have one specific thought, which is around the peg health, but before getting into that, I'm actually curious to hear more. Um, how is the, uh, the, I guess, systemic risk uh, or counterparty risk reduced um, with lower unbonding periods? Uh, could you say more about that? Yeah, I mean, so my think my take is like there is 
I guess, I don't know if it's necessarily risk, but for instance, like if you do, um, if you're in a situation where you are on doing something on a specific chain and uh, say like you're getting liquidated because of the example we gave before, um, does the reduction in period of unbonding improve capital efficiency? Because obviously like there's this, this uh, loop example that you had been describing previously, like that period of time does, does reduce, right? So I don't know, just, just trying to think through like, does that actually mean that um, settlement, overall settlement uh, risk gets reduced? Yeah, well, there, there's so there's there's one uh, there's one example of this uh, that I think has like a very direct mechanical benefit. Um, I haven't thought super deeply about the settlement, so it's hard for me to say. Um, but w- one thing that I have thought about is the peg health. Um, so for each staking derivative, call it uh, ST atom, there is uh, there are typically pools, so liquidity pools. Uh, or markets between ST atom and atom. Um, so just taking the osmosis pool as an example, <coughs> um, the ST atom atom pool exists, and there is a there's there's not a um, a peg in the pool, but there is what's called a redemption rate. So one ST atom can always be redeemed for uh, roughly one atom on stride. It goes up as uh, inflation accrues to the underlying tokens, and it goes down with slashes. But just to simplify it, like let's say there's some fixed redemption rate. Um, the actual price of SD atom fluctuates based on uh, various factors, like how many mechanically, how many people are selling SD atom into the pool. Um, and the the worry around liquidations is if there are lots of liquidations happening, lots of SD atom gets sold into the pool. Um, so the price uh, of SD atom to atom can depeg or go down. Um, now, if you're willing to buy ST atom at a discount and wait the unbonding period, you can actually make an ARB. So let's say ST atom is depegged against atom by 5%. Um, if you're willing to wait the three-week unbonding period, you can buy this discounted ST atom, directly go to stride and unbond. And three weeks later, you'll get one atom. So you've made 5%. Um, there, some people might just do this because they're long atom. But another way you can think about it is there's some cost to shorting atom. Um, so if you want to hedge out your atom position and do this in a fully neutral way, you can actually make uh, like a quote unquote risk free ARB. Uh, and the way this would work is if it costs um, maybe 2% to short atom over a three week period, you can buy atom that's discounted by 5%. Uh, you can short the atom. And then at the end of the three weeks, um, you've paid 2% to short atom, but you've made 5%. So your uh, like net position is 3%. Um, so you'd expect uh, funds with lots of capital to to run these ARPs whenever the unbonding period exists. Um, so these are like some assumptions. Um, now, the interesting mechanical thing is um, the higher the unbonding period and the higher the yield on the token, the more the token can depeg. And the reason is it's more expensive to short the token if the unbonding period is higher because you have to short it for longer. And if the yield is higher because the yield typically dictates how much it costs to short. Um, so if you lower the unbonding period to uh, just say like a day, if you lower the unbonding period to a day, you only have to short this token for a day. Um, so the the cost uh, to do this risk-free ARB goes way down. Um, and you'd actually expect the ST atom atom peg to be much tighter. Um, and you know, this is like this this is one thing that can cause systemic risk. We've seen this on Ethereum when SDE depegs against ETH, like all kinds of bad things happen. Like there's risks of liquidations and things like that. Um, but if you have a really short unbonding period, um, uh, you'd expect the peg to be uh, quite healthy because as soon as ST atom or any of these liquid staking derivatives depeg just a little bit, um, someone can come in, uh, short them for a day, redeem, and then you get out of the position. So uh, from, from uh, I guess, peg health standpoint, I think this would be a, a huge, uh, huge benefit. Really interesting. I think the 
Lido, right? The depegging was the three arrow liquidation event. Is that the trigger for that uh, depegging? Yeah, I, I don't know what exactly triggered it, but on Ethereum, it's it's made much worse because there are no unbondings. So uh, if it, like the the, D, the the peg technically has no floor, if there's no demand for uh, like it's basically like rolling the dice on when Ethereum's gonna allow unbondings, uh, because you might be locked into this SCE for like a year unless someone else is willing to buy it. Whereas uh, in Cosmos, because there's unbondings. Um, you can just you can buy the DPEG token and go and bond it, and then like two or three or four weeks later, depending on the unbonding period, you make your ARB. Yes, yeah, so I have collaboration with collaboration with the Ethereum Foundation, and I think the thought is that eventually they will have unbonding, but it will still be of the order of multiple weeks. And um, so perhaps if we could reduce unbonding to one day on Cosmos, that would give a leg up to the cost most liquid staking protocol in terms of the health of the peg of the peg yeah that makes so much sense because ethereum is also a proof of stake protocol now right so they will still suffer from this long and bonding issue because of the long range attack and babylon solved this long range attack using bitcoin so that's sort of the story there it's really interesting, this uh, unpacking issue. Yeah, I think we should really try to write a blog on explaining these concepts sort of step by step. It's uh, pretty complex, right, I think. Uh, yeah, there, I don't think there's much materials on them just because liquid staking is so new. Uh, it's like less than two years old and Lido is mostly dominated. And so there's like lots of research on how STETH works in the Ethereum ecosystem. But all the assumptions in, for example, Cosmos are just so different that uh, there's really not much information out there. So yeah, totally agree. I think writing some blogs, getting some more information out there would be uh, a great idea because I think a lot of people just, they like see SCE depegging and they kind of like assume that SD Atom or SD Osmo will have the same risk, um, but actually it's not necessarily the case. Yeah, it's great, especially since liquid sticking will become a more and more important part of the DeFi system. Cool. All right. Um, yeah, so we have uh, 11 more minutes. Maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, ST Atom going beyond Cosmos, maybe through Composable. Is that a, maybe it's a good topic to spend a few minutes on? I think yes. after this topic, uh, Brinja, of course, you're expert also, so I'll leave it to you too. Yeah, I mean, I think you know we we've obviously been been chatting so i think uh in general we're <clears throat> you know we're our belief is st atom as a primitive is a strong one for DeFi activity and there hasn't been too much use of st dot anywhere at least in polka dot at the moment uh, so I do think that like people definitely would want to get exposure to ST Atom and then do things with it, you know, on near and, and other places as well, where like, it's just a new asset class. Right. And so I think people get really excited when they can get yield on something and still do something, uh, in DeFi. And so just expanding this with composable to other ecosystems, I think is highly critical um but also be a really nice use case of like all the work we've been doing for like the past year on on extending ibc aiden any follow-up thoughts on that yeah make makes a lot of a lot of sense um and i, I think one of the really cool things about atom is it's such a, a simple chain it's it's almost like bitcoin in some ways that the functionality of atom itself is extremely simple uh, and there's sort of like uh, a, a very, very organic, passionate community around it. Um, so I, I think Adam is going to continue to grow and be excellent collateral uh, also in, in other ecosystems. Uh, I'm kind of curious to hear more about um, the uh, interoperability protocol and the, the high level vision. So I, I guess like one uh, way that this could work is you mint SD Atom and other ecosystems. Um, curious about like, plans to um, 
extend this maybe where uh, you have like more generalized message passing. Maybe you like link IBC and um, I actually don't know what Polkadot's um, uh, interoperability X, protocol is. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So we actually built, um, so what we built is we built IBC to other ecosystems. So every chain we're connecting to is using basically the IBC uh, protocol. And then on top of it, we've built XCVM, which is essentially generalized message passing, but instruction based. So for instance, if you want to say uh, print STATOM on a Polkadot parachain, bridge it to Moonbeam, take out a loan and then bridge it somewhere else, all this stuff can be orchestrated. All these steps are basically exactly what XCVM was designed for. It allows for this like, communication between IBC and XCM. Yeah, and are, are all of the um, interoperability protocols that are connected, uh, are, are they all based on uh, like light clients or are there, uh, is it more generalized where it can connect like IBC to like a multi-sig bridge as well? Yeah, so we have this thing called open transport protocol for XCVM where you know, a developer who wants to build this type of application that I just described um you know can choose to use any bridging protocol but like we are very much so anti uh like all these types of quote-unquote trusted bridges um so it's it's not like we're going to endorse that but yeah like um people can for sure cool all right, so I think at this point, we have about uh, five or six minutes left. Maybe we can open the floor to questions from the audience, uh, questions for the speakers. Uh, so Trudy, are you responsible for bringing people who want to ask questions? I don't know how to yeah. do it. Yes, I will bring people. Yeah, so if any listeners has question, yeah, just hands up and I will invite you on the stage and then you can ask your questions to any of the speakers. Yeah, we have five, five minutes left. So in the meantime, I have a remaining question. So that the issue we talked about earlier on le leverage, leverage, was this leverage sticking? Is that the, the mm -hmm. term, Aiden? Yeah, yeah, leverage sticking. Leverage sticking is, is the issue of is that the con, is there a concern of is the concern that of over collateralization that somehow you are sort of collateralizing at too many different places? Is that the sort of high level summary of that concern? Yeah, so I think the the high level concern is that. With leverage staking, you can have, uh, there are certain events which can cause lots of unbondings in a very short period of time. Um, so you might have like a 20 or 30% drop in the stake rate. Yes. This is like the uh, disaster scenario. Um, and the, mechanically, the way that you get there is if lots of people are leverage staking, um, so they're, they're all uh, like posting their ST atom as collateral, borrowing atom against it, minting more ST atom, and this is all looped. Um, the, the ratio at which uh, they get uh, liquidated might be very close to what their actual position is. Um, so if, let's say, one big position gets liquidated, um, what happens is the ST atom is unlocked, and there are different liquidation mechanisms. But one possible liquidation mechanism is the ST atom might go up for auction. Um, so some liquidator buys the ST atom, and then they want to get out of that ST atom position as quickly as they can. So they would sell the ST atom into uh, a liquidity pool. Um, for Atom, maybe, or for, for USDC. Um, and this would further push the price down, and this could cause further liquidations. And what would happen is, uh, as the price of ST Atom Atom depugs, <coughs> you would get these uh, uh, quote-unquote risk-free arbitragers that come in and uh, they short Atom, unbond the ST Atom for native Atom so that they can sell the Atom externally. This is like the, the worst-case scenario. Um, and this, this would cause lots of uh, ST atom to be redeemed in a short period of time, causing lots of unbondings um, and a big hit to uh, overall um, uh, dollars staked. Um, I think there are lots of different ways that you can get around this. So one simple way to get around this is rather than using the ST atom atom oracle, 
you can use the native redemption rate in the protocol uh, and then use an atom price oracle. Um, so you could look at like some external liquid atom market and figure out whether more SC atom positions should be liquidated. Um, uh, so the, I, I think there are uh, the, the other big way to get around this is to just uh, not use um, uh, very risky collateral ratios where you allow borrowers to borrow lots of uh, dollars of atom against their SC atom. Um, but if you're if you're not careful, there are uh, that's sort of what the disaster scenario looks like. And mechanically, that's how that's how it happens. That's that's why you get this drop in dollar staked. It's because arbitragers are onboarding SC Atom. Got it. OK, so any questions from the audience? OK, going once, going twice, going three times. All right. All right. We're coming to the end of the hour. Uh, thanks so much, Aden and the brain job for this really interesting discussion on liquid staking security. Um, so as I mentioned, Babylon has been organizing these Twitter space. We try to organize about two per week and, uh, the, and each Twitter space, we invite different projects to come and talk about, uh, security issues because we believe that security is a very important issue in cosmos and uh, in general of course but in cosmos in particular so we are kind of very interested in getting views from different community members cosmos community members on their take on security so today we have a really interesting discussion with Aiden and Brinjo on liquid sticking and we'll have more of these Twitter spaces so if you're interested in this Please follow us at Babylon underscore chain for announcements for future Twitter spaces. Great. Hey, thank you guys for coming. Thank you. Really, really great fun. Thanks for having thank me. You. We should go uh, back and yes. work on our blog. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> cool. Cool. Right. See you guys. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Babylon Spaces. Security of Liquid Staking in and Beyond Cosmos. Recorded on Thursday, December 15th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now, with Spark IBC enabled. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep it hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Razor beam focused, Starscream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine. And on deck, we was walking all erect with the dead man's swagger. Sitting in a little den, envision in the middle men. Listen to the fatal man play a little ditty then. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble-bubillion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble-bubillion. Little Dan envisioning the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next No one gave a shit Till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter We was all hyped up When the pedal hit the metal He just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime Till the night curfew Rats in a cage Till they make time to murk you Got a little job That falls under my purview We gotta get this mob Away from the Birds view. Gotta find cover, wipe off the bird poop, ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth, slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement, could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a billion. Vision in the middle, men listen.
listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian lost in the maze trying to make the next b-b-b-billion talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian lost in the maze trying to make the next b-b-b-billion Spaces. <laughs>